Hello and welcome to Market Savvy Conversations. My name is Megan Walker and today my very special guest is Dr. Judith Griffiths. Hello, Judith. How are you today? I'm fine, thanks, Megan. How are you? Very well, thank you. Now, Judith and I have been working together over the last year. Judith is creating an amazing range of programs. But before we get into that, Judith, tell us a little bit about yourself, your qualifications, background. What's the Judith story? Okay. So um, my I've had about, I try to work it, about 24 years experience in psychology, both as an academic um, and a researcher. And I've done government research, private research, um, and general kind of university type, type research. Um, in 2015, I decided to go back and rejoin with my passion, which was sport and exercise psychology. Um, so I went through and I redid my master's degree. Um, and then after I finished that, um, I had a couple of years practicing and then I went back and did my endorsement. So that, you know, that's kind of that extra training. So all up, I think I've been training for about 15 years for this. So why I'm not a neurosurgeon, I do. <laughs> you are one knowledgeable lady, though. <laughs> well, you know, that's debatable. Um, so after I finished my, my master's, I went straight into private practice. So I've been in private practice for about six years now, doing a mix of both, I guess you would call it general psychology and sports psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at. Um, I also now more recently am doing a lot more work in neurology, in the neurology field, working with patients who have got um, functional neurological and functional motor disorders. So that's kind of really exciting. Tell us a little bit more about that FND space. For people who are new to that, what does that mean? What does that look like? So FND is a neurological condition of which there is no organic basis. So if you think of your brain a little bit like a computer, so a computer has both hardware and software. Mm. So if you would think about it this way, with FND, you, you, there is nothing wrong with your hardware. So you can do, you know, you can breathe, you can walk, you can talk. It's almost like you start to get little glitches in your software. So when your computer, when you're working away at your computer and the screen kind of zings out and kind of goes a bit black and a bit fuzzy, transfer that and think of that's what's happening in people's brains. Wow. So it's, FND is, um, it, it's kind of underlaid by trauma, by um, anxiety, by stress, uh, long-term illness, a lot of these sorts of things. So, you know, in a way it's almost like it, it's a, coping mechanism your brain sort of almost gets too overwhelmed and it just shuts down Mm. unfortunately when it shuts down people have things we um like they look like but they are not epileptic seizures for some people they will fall on the ground they will shake and they will you know have those traditional um epileptic seizures but it's not epilepsy Mm. Um, for other people they will get numbness and they will get pain or numbness um, in their legs they'll their limbs will stop moving Mm. Um, and so you literally have to sit and and wait it out so there's a lot of psychology in the kind of management of these symptoms and how to kind of move on with your life Mm. okay that was my next question what do you do as a psychologist 
with someone who's got FND, just expand that a little bit more? So if you were to talk about treatment modalities, um, we use a lot of cognitive behavioural therapy um, because it is underlined by anxiety, stress and trauma. A lot of it is trauma-informed therapy. Um, So a lot of mindfulness, we use ACT. Um, It it really all depends, or the way that I approach it is that there is no one size fits all because every client of mine is completely different to the next one. So it's about, for me, it's about finding the right mix of therapeutic modalities that best suit the the needs and the desires, if you like, of the the client sitting in front of me. So I'll do a mixture of of things. Mm -hmm. Primarily, it's it's kind of CBT, ACT, mindfulness, um, and meditation for those people who like to do meditation. Yeah. Mm. And I know talking to you a bit because your other uh, passion area is the sports psychology. <laughs> and, and I was saying, what's the common thread between the FND and the sports psychology? I think both of them is about helping the client to or the athlete to develop the skills that they need um, that that is going to help them live their best possible life. So I, d- I tend to think of everything we do in sports psychology terms. So everything is a performance. Yeah. We're getting out of bed, takes a certain level of skill and combinations of skills and processes, um, you know, dealing with being nervous with a job interview is the same as having anxiety around performing at the Commonwealth Games, for example. So a lot of the techniques, so if you look at it from a very applied perspective, a very proactive perspective, for me, it's all about helping my clients to live the best possible life um, that they can. And I see my role as helping them to achieve what they need and to Mm -hmm. teach them and to help them to develop the skills that best suit them. Mm, Fantastic. I love that thread performance. (laughs) It's good sort of mine. I guess it underlies everything for me. Yeah. And tell me then with those two groups in mind, what have you been working on and what does your what, what's been the evolution of your practice to this point? So in a way, my the evolution of my practice has almost gone full circle. So I started off in sports psychology. I kind of drifted into general practice um, and I've come back um, into the, the sport and the performance um, area. So currently what I'm working on at the moment is I've gone to an area that is my passion, which is golf. Um, and I am in the process of creating an online golf program um, for people of all ages, of all abilities, um, just to help to teach them the, the mental skills that they need to improve their performance. So even though it's based in golf, it can be applied to tennis. And at the moment, I'm teaching the very same skills to netballers and you know to other athletes and organizations and sports so it that's kind of where I've where I've come back come back to that interesting when you said golf the first thing that jumped into my mind was oh you must have to spend so much time with the um, sitting with frustration <laughs> yeah I did a lot of that <laughs> I've had a I've had a bit of a go at golf but 
yeah. It's a very had some con- game. Certainly had some control issues. <laughs> Sign up and do the program. We'll get you sorted. Yeah, you'll get me on you get me on the right track. Okay, wonderful. So an online course, golf, yes. that could have applications into other supports as we've already sort of we won't yeah. overwhelm you with loading you up with lots of different programs just yet. And what about for people with FND? Is there an online opportunity there? Look, I think there is, um, and I'm certainly working uh, towards it at this stage. It's about very similar to a lot of the chronic pain um, management programs that that are run, um, and I certainly run them in my private practice. It's it's really about getting reaching out to as many people as possible. You know, I come from a point where even I think to see a psychologist is expensive. So if we can get these skills out to the general population, if we do it in a group and it's it, it, it's cheaper, mm. um, then we're going to be able to kind of educate more people. So this is not doing psychological therapy online. This is about giving people the general skills that they need to be able to try and manage their program. If they want to then continue and see me or see somebody else in private, you know, in a private area, that's entirely their choice. So Mm. we're not doing therapy. We are doing skills acquisition. Yeah. I love that distinction because there's definitely a time and a place for both. Yeah. And, you know, anyone listening knows I'm a big big fan of online courses, but you could never replicate a therapy session with an online course. It's a top-up, isn't it? It's a skills, like you say, capacity building. Yeah, I think it's a top-up, or I think it can also be treated as a funnel in. Mm. You give people the early skills, they go away, they practice them, they go, look, I think this is not working or I need to tweak this or this is really working for me and I need to know more then I think it can come at either end of the therapy process, so either funnel Mm. in or kind of top up at the other end. Mm. Now, this is a wild question without notice. Do you think online courses can have a role to play in helping with waiting lists and the skills shortage that we've got around, you know, the mental health epidemic that we've got? Do you think there's a role online courses can play with alleviating? Yeah, I think. I think there is. Um, I think you would have to, though, be very careful that you didn't cross into any any ethical boundaries or mm. anything that APRA has decided is, is not to do. But I think you can offer sort of that basic, you know, that, that skill acquisition type of thing just to give people almost something to work on mm. while they're waiting, which gives them so what that does is it actually gives them the feeling of control around what's going on for them. And while we know that once we kind of turn and start to control what we can control, we actually feel more empowered, we feel stronger. Mm. Um, So therefore I think that one, it's not going to reduce the waiting list time. Um, I think it is actually going to help people to navigate that, almost that empty space between the, the first making an appointment and that very first appointment. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for some psychologists, some psychologists run waiting lists, some don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a matter of personal preference. But I do think the online courses um, are useful. I think they're more useful than sending people out a flyer or an information sheet. 
um, because I think it makes it more, it, it, it explains it more. I mean, my personal mm -hmm. preference is not to do the pre-recorded online stuff. I mm -hmm. come from a place where I actually like to talk to people. So it gives them the people the opportunity to ask questions, you know, run a program, but do it as a series of interactive kind of webinars. Yeah, absolutely. And that's so important is choose what's right for your audience. Yes. And and in the time frame that they want to learn in the in the way they want to learn. I, I like the choice that it gives as well. And but, oh sorry. Sorry. I also think you have to you've got to play to your own strengths. Mm. So being an academic through all through COVID where everything was pre-recorded. So yeah. I've you know, courses by Zoom or collaborate. I did find that while they were easy, they really didn't sit that well with me and my yeah. staff. So I think it's really important that you not only pick what works for the for the general public, you have to be able to pick what works for you and what mm. feels comfortable for you. Absolutely. Yeah. And to question sometimes, is it the right motivation? Like I, I caught myself, I was, I spoke, presented to a group um, last week, a peak body, and they had questions coming back. And, you know, in the Zoom environment, you can really manage that quite neatly. And I thought, oh, this is, this is quite shocking, the number of questions that I'm getting. <laughs> I thought, well, do we hide behind our computer to avoid that? Or is that actually part of the process? And that's, you know, when to add and recognize the need for that. Um, and Judith, in embarking on this sort of, I suppose, new digital space, like packaging up your wisdom and delivering it in this way, what have you learned? Oh. <laughs> what, <would> you, <laughs> what do you think is useful for others to know? And what have you learned? Okay, what, what I have learned is, I guess there's, um, so I've made a couple of notes. Okay, there's three things that I have learned. And then there's lots of things, lots of pieces of advice that I would give. Good. I think the first one that we all, and this is just because we're human, I think we all have to acknowledge that we know more than we think we know. Mm, so true. I think we have to give ourselves that that permission to think of ourselves as pretty knowledgeable you know we've a lot of us have been doing this for a long time in various guises so do you have actually collected this wisdom and I know that's something that you constantly keep reminding me of <laughs> I think the other thing that I have learned from doing your programs is that there is actually no uh, single ideal way to mm. do this um, I think if you don't like talking, if you're not confident talking to people over Zoom, then by all means record it. Um, but if you're like me who can talk underwater because it's what I do lecturing, um, <laughs> I'm really comfortable. I'm more comfortable. I'm really comfortable in the, in the Zoom kind of sphere. So that would be the second piece. The third thing that I've learned is that we have to all learn to play to our strengths. Okay, and again, that do what feels best for you. I know people do market research and go, oh, there's a need for a course over here. But if that course doesn't sit well with you or that idea is not something that you feel really comfortable about, it's going to be really, it's going to be so hard to execute that you're actually not ever going to do it. So true. You've got to be driven. It's got to come from really you recognizing the need and you wanting to lean in and solve it, is it doesn't it? Like it because it can be tough going. So you need that driver, that yeah. intrinsic. Yep. I agree. And I think, you know, for your first one, start with something that you feel completely comfortable in. 
don't pick something because you think somebody wants might want to know about it down the track. Yeah. So that will build your confidence. Yeah, beautiful. Um, and the other, so do you want to hear my advice? Tell okay. me your advice, Judith. <laughs> my advice. Um, I'm not saying this is what I do. But this is what I tell, would tell other people to do. I think first of all is to acknowledge that we are all filled with anxiety over this process. Yes, this is new, this is different, this is nothing that we ever learned at uni, this is nothing that we ever learned at, you know, sitting in private practice, talking to clients one-on-one. So my advice would be acknowledge that you're anxious, acknowledge that it's scary, but don't get paralysed by it. Because when you get paralysed, you procrastinate. And then you never kind of get there. And the longer that you wait to do it, the harder it becomes. So I think, you know, I would say to to someone, do it when you're kind of sitting in that place, ask yourself, what's the worst thing that could possibly happen? Mm-hmm. And then the second question would be, you know, will my life continue if that actually does happen? And I think if you can get comfortable with both of those answers, um, then you honestly, you just have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, honestly, if if it's if you're pre-recording it, the worst thing that could possibly happen, I would imagine, was it be that no one would buy it. Yeah. But is your world going to finish? Probably not. Amazing practice. Yep. Good. You know, go do it again. (laughs) Um, The the other piece of choice that I would do, and you you are going to laugh at this, is do the homework. I know. I know I should. Um, it really does help (laughs) something that occurred to me the other day was really explore the marketplace Mm. and what Mm. what I mean by that is going even going outside of your area to see what see how other people are running their courses yeah um because I think you can learn a lot from other people and and other disciplines um you know and there I got a thing I don't know where I got it um but it was for a self a self something course anyway I thought you know what I'm, I'm actually going to do that I'm going to see how they do it because there's they were advertising that it was an interactive pre-recorded program hmm. okay hmm, that's what I went hmm. <laughs> how do you do that so I might sign up I'm not interested in it I just want to see what happens so you know kind of explore what else is out there what other people are doing hmm. and the nice thing is it's tax deductible if you sign up to do a whole bunch of courses I, I love that advice so much because to be a teacher, it helps so much if you've been a student, doesn't it? Yeah. You, you've kind of really got to know kind of what works and what other people are doing. It's like why reinvent the wheel when there's a whole bunch of wheels already out there. So true. So true. Oh, Judith, these are fantastic pearls of wisdom that you've got there. <laughs> Did you have anything else on your list? <laughs> I'm leaning in through Zoom. Let me see your list. <laughs> Oh, I think you, uh, because you were you were organised and for once so was I, um, you asked what my vision was. Tell me your vision. So my vision is to make, in particular for this course, but in general, is to make the non, the sort of the non-clinical aspects of psychology available kind of to anybody. So, you know, there is by teaching the people the skills that will allow them to enjoy their sport, or their life, or their job, I can take all of that and transplant it into their general lives. So I think, you know, that 
there is all there are these myths around going to see a psychologist, right? You only go and see a psychologist if there's something wrong with you. Actually, you know, there's not. And this is one thing that's really important in sports. Sports psychology is really proactive. So we get in there, we teach you the skills before you act, before things start going wrong. And yes, we do see a lot of athletes where things have gone wrong, but it's about educating people that we can actually teach you these skills first. So we can sort of help inoculate you against that slumps and that slumps and confidence, that anxiety. And that works regardless of the field that that you're in. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so I think these these programs, if conducted effectively, will actually help people to gain skills, but make them feel supported mm-hmm. because they're in a group of their peers. So if you're doing golf or tennis or executives, they're in with like-minded people. Mm-hmm. And there's that there's that safety, there is a degree of safety in anonymity. And so I think this is where the courses can help and that you can teach people the skills without them feeling really threatened by them. Yeah, love it. Wonderful, Judith. I love that. And it's it's that enrichment, isn't it? There's opportunities for enrichment there that I, I'd really love your thought about giving that to people as more an accessible, normalising the access to those skills as opposed to crisis-led only. Yeah, because we, we don't, you know, we if we can be proactive, then when sort of things do take a turn for the worse, we actually know how to deal with them. Mm. We actually, we don't have to wait two weeks, three weeks. You know, you've got to get in to see, if you want a mental health care plan, there's often a huge wait to get in to see your GP. And then there's a wait to get into the psychologist. My vision is to let's educate people first, before things go wrong, so that when things kind of do start to head downhill, actually know what to expect. And if you know what to expect, then it's never as bad as what it seems. Well said. Now, if we've got any budding golfers listening or people who have clients um, or others that they know who uh, have FND, how can people find out more and reach out and make contact so they can come and join your courses? So they can go on to my website, which is just www.judithgriffithpsychology.com.au. There are links all the way through that. Um, so it, it outlines when the programs are, are coming up. So the golf one starts really excited. The golf one starts November. Cannot wait for that one. Um <laughs> It's going to be really fun to do it in an area, in a sport that I know absolutely heaps about. Yes. Um, So that will be good. So they can go to the website. um, They can email me. My email address and all my contact details are on that, um, on my website. Um, Otherwise, they could just get to me through Facebook. So Judith Griffith Psychology. Um, and yeah, they can just reach out. Uh, if you're at a golf, if you're at a golf club, probably in Brisbane, there will be flyers up, which you can just scan the QR code, and it takes you straight to where you need to be. Oh, you are just a, an A plus student, Judith. I'm giving you a high distinction. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm great in planning. It's the execution that kind <laughs> yeah, of yeah. sometimes needs some work. Oh, a, a worldwide condition. <laughs> I think it's called being human. Yeah, exactly. Judith, thank you so much for 
sharing your insights. You're welcome. Ooh, pardon me, sorry. I know that'll be so motivating for other people listening and going. You know, it's not easy, but like you said at the start, tapping into that that vision and what it is that you're wanting to create and the change and sticking to that, it's well yeah. worth it, isn't it? Yeah, it's very scary. I'm going to um, I'm going to do my first Facebook Live this weekend. I've just decided mm-hmm. I cannot put it off anymore. Just have to work out how to do it. Right. Okay. The button, Facebook Live. Title, record. Oh, Go okay. live. It's Way a big red button. Mix. And the beautiful thing is as soon as you finish talking and then you finish, you press the stop record, it says view post and you and do what I do nine times out of ten and go view it, delete it, <laughs> do it again. <laughs> no, no. The first one is often the best. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Oh, Judith, thanks so much again. Can't wait to hear the success of your golf program and the many more to come. You're and um, talk to you soon. Thank you. Having me. Bye. Bye.